0: Good morning, everyone. Good to see you this morning. Busy time of year. Visitors, family, all that kind of good thing. A, a good time to enjoy the blessings of God, isn't it? And to enjoy all that He has given us, and our families especially. Uh, this is the Next to the last lesson in our study of Proverbs, Uh, the last few lessons, and this one today and the one next week, have been sort of in a miscellaneous category, Uh, different uh, topics and the Proverbs that fit within that. And we'll be looking at three of those uh, this morning. (laughs) But before we begin, I'd like for us to have prayer and Nathan would you lead us in that prayer please? The three uh, topics that we will be looking at this morning is, uh, first of all, treatment of neighbors. And the second one, we'll be talking about monetary security. And then the third topic will be strong drink. And we'll be looking at uh, selected proverbs under each of those and uh striving to get the lesson for us today out of those. We'll begin though with looking at uh, treatment to neighbors and we'll start with Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 27 through 35. And as time will allow, we'll try not to get bogged down, but we're just gonna go verse by verse in these uh, Proverbs selections. So we'll just begin with verse 27 of Proverbs 3, and then we'll read as we go and make application as we go. So Proverbs 3, beginning with 27, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when It is in your power to do it. And I think the power to do it here really is talking about opportunity. When we have opportunity to do good, then our responsibility is to do good to others. Paul speaks of that in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, familiar with us. As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those of the household of faith. Verse 28, do not say to your neighbor, go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Uh, interesting. If you have it now, give it now. Because what? We don't know if tomorrow's going to come. So if it's within our power to do it now, we need to do it. I think that's what the wise man is saying here. And verse 29. Do not devise harm against your neighbor while he lives in security beside you. Just don't take advantage of your neighbor he's unsuspecting of anything don't don't take advantage of him. Verse thirty do not contend with a man without cause if he has done you no harm in it. Uh, true that it seems that some people just look for a fight. I remember uh, several years ago, our youngest granddaughter, Little Grace, we were at their house, and her older sister, Holly, was there, and Little Grace was out of sorts. She she was just very very upset and she told her sister holly don't talk to me and she didn't say anything and little grace kept on i said don't talk to me holly didn't say a word and the third time she said don't talk to me and and she said little grace i'm not talking to you you are now (laughs) some people are just looking for a fight romans 12 uh verse 18 was read a while ago by David, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And certainly that would apply to our our neighbors. Verse 31, do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. Uh, I think that is, most of these really are just self-explanatory. We should not lift up such as heroes in any form or fashion sometimes unwittingly we we might do that when we have as our heroes maybe sometimes movie stars that that we like and their roles well their lifestyles themselves are less than worthy but the roles that they play in the movies are of violence and and so on and uh, Certainly, we shouldn't envy or even hold up as, as honorable such talents or such, uh, such people. Verse 32, for the crooked man is an abomination to the Lord, but he is, and I'm reading here from the New American Standard, and the New American Standard says intimate, intimate, uh, For the crooked man is an abomination to the Lord, but he is intimate with the upright. That's a little strange. Uh, The New King James says, uh, translates it secret counsel, but he has secret counsel with the upright. Uh, I really think that maybe the King James has the better translation here Uh, There it says, his secret, but his secret is with the upright. I think what he's talking about is uh, our status uh, before the the Lord. Uh, Intimate or uh, secret counsel or his secret, I think, would apply to fellowship, the status of having fellowship with God. And if such people as this are an abomination to the Lord, they are also an abomination to us. And we should keep perspective uh, as we live in this world with people around us. The crooked man is an abomination to the Lord, which means that they are an abomination to us and our Christian principles. Verse 33, and if at any point you have a, a comment... To make, please uh, cut in. Verse 33 The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. God hates the wicked, wickedness. Verse 34 Though he scoffs at the scoffers, yet he gives grace to the afflicted. I think a good corollary uh, to this one. Uh, is found in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. Uh, he begins with giving admonition to the younger of the congregation. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And that's a principle. Though he scoffs at the scoffers, yet he gives grace to the afflicted, to the to the humble. Paul. I think if you look at those three verses together, thirty-two, thirty-three, thirty-four, you see forward, wicked, and scorners. Yeah. Those people aren't going to turn to God in His Word, but then you see uh, the righteous, uh, and you see the just, and and the lowly. Right. That's the thing so mm-hmm. it, that secret he's talking about it, is encapsulated in his word. Yeah. And if you're a lowly apart heart, and if you're just and righteous, and you're studying that, then you're going to know what that secret is. You're going to know. How you're going to have going fellowship to with him. But those people are not, one another. They're right. not going to be turned towards that at all. Good point. Absolutely. Well, verse thirty-five: The wise will inherit honor. But fools display dishonor. Go with me to Proverbs 25 now. Proverbs 25. And we'll be looking at verses 17 through 22. 17 through 22. Verse 17. Let your foot rarely be in your neighbor's house, lest he become weary of you and hate you. Some of these have a little bit of humor in with it. I mean, uh, we'll look at it even more so when we get to the one on strong drink. But uh, here it's it's, it's a little humorous. Uh, Let your foot rarely be in your neighbor's house (laughs) lest he become weary of you and hate you. Oh no, here comes Larry again. Wonder what he's wanting to borrow this time. I wonder what thing he's done he's wanting to tell about this time. Uh, so do not impose on your neighbor everyone needs some privacy verse 18 like a club and a sword and a sharp arrow is a man who bears false witness or lies against his neighbor and I like verse 19 a little bit of humor here like a bad tooth And an unsteady foot is confidence in a faithless man in time of trouble. Time of trouble, who are you going to look to? If it's a man who is faithless, who has no faith, who does not honor God, what kind of help is he going to be to you? What kind of help is he going to give you? You ever had a bad tooth? (laughs) Isn't it something how that at least in my case my experience has been it always is on a weekend sometimes even when you're camping and that's when it hits and you gotta wait two days before you can have anything done well like a bad tooth and an unsteady foot is confidence in a faithless man in time of trouble that's pretty good advice Verse twenty. Like one who takes off a garment on a cold day, I see some of these people, like Tom and Nathan and others on a cold day will be in short sleeve shirts. I don't think that's what he's talking about here though. Like one who takes off a garment on a cold day. Or like vinegar on soda is he who sings songs to a troubled heart. What do you suppose he's getting at here? Like one who takes off a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar on soda is one who sings songs to a troubled heart. That's a good way to put it, appropriateness. Uh, there's a time to sing and a time to weep. I think, again, uh, David read of it this, this morning. Uh, re, uh, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Things need to be appropriate. And so when someone is sad, uh, he doesn't really appreciate frivolity, and uh, such actions do not make sense given the circumstances. In Romans chapter 12, and verse 20, uh, well, he goes on and actually, uh, yeah, Romans 12, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Really goes with the next one. Here instead of this one. Well, let's look at verses 21 and 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Again, uh, referred to this morning. This is in Proverbs 25:21 21, and 22, but it's also in Romans 12, 20 that we just read and was read this morning. And that's just a, a bit of divine psychology, isn't it? Uh, the, the, just overcome the, the one who's against you and is trying to overcome you, just shower him with goodness. And that, that is so frustrating. I can't, I can't win for losing, this guy just won't go down. And uh, and that is divine psychology, as I like to call it, because by being good and gracious to your enemy, the one who is against you, it's going to be like keeping burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. That's easier said than done, of course. And, and when the rubber meets the road and you're in such a situation, to recall this scripture, this principle, sometimes uh, is difficult, uh, but it works. If God says it works, it works. And this is the way we deal with such uh, situations. And pretty soon, I think, uh, in most, uh, most situations, after so long, they'll let up. They'll relent. And what's, the, what's the use? I, don't want, I once heard somebody who was told, we're praying for you. And he said, because he was opposite in attitude and uh, interpretation and everything, he said, I don't want your prayers. Can you imagine? This was a brother in Christ. A preacher. And he was saying this to those who did not agree with his interpretation of some scriptures. He didn't want their prayers. May it never be. So these are some uh, worthwhile proverbs concerning dealing with our neighbor. And uh, we don't have any choice over who becomes our neighbor unless we build our house in the middle of the woods and then your neighbors are nice furry friends. But uh, if you're in close proximity to, to others who are your neighbors, good points to remember regarding our relationship with them. Now this next category is, is a little interesting you know to even find in, in scripture. I've, I've entitled it Caution in Putting Up Security. Proverbs 6 is where we're gonna be, verses one through five. Proverbs 6, verses one through five. So let's look at these verses. My son, if you have become, and this is the New American Standard, if you have become surety for your neighbor, and I believe maybe uh, that's also King James rendering, isn't it, I believe surety, If you have become surety for your neighbor, have given a pledge for a stranger. Uh, The uh, ESV, I think, has uh, perhaps the best rendering here. They render it security. If you have become security for your neighbor, uh, have given a pledge, then uh, you need to be cautious you can be hurt by either the neighbor or the stranger if you're not cautious what we're talking about here you ever been asked by someone to co-sign with you on a note and uh, if this is a family member of course most of the time uh, you're going to be glad to do so but what about somebody you don't really know and they have approached you and said uh, uh, I'm in need of some money. I can't get a loan on my own. Would you co-sign with me for this? Uh, better better be careful here. And I think these are the words of the wise man here in such situations. We can be hurt by the neighbor or the stranger, especially the stranger if you're not. Uh, cautious, And there are many such warnings in Proverbs about becoming a surety or a security. And then the next few verses, verses 2 through 5, I think the main idea of these verses is to treat business and financial dealings with great caution. They are to be fulfilled and resolved as soon as possible. Well, let's look at it verse by verse. Verse 2. If you have been snared with the words of your mouth. That's never happened to me. Has it happened to you that you've been snared by the words of your mouth? If you have been snared with the words of your mouth. Have been caught with the words of your mouth. Do this then my son and deliver yourself since you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go humble yourself. And again, this is the New America standard. And importune your neighbor. Importune. What does the King James have there? Plead. Plead. That's the better translation. Plead. And at that, uh, in the ESV, it says plead urgently. Continual Pleading. It's kind of like in Luke 11, the uh, importune widow, the persistent widow. Uh, I think this is what he's talking about here. If you catch yourself in this situation and uh, you've been caught with your own words and uh, you've done maybe some harm, then go and and plead. Uh, I I am so sorry. Please forgive me. Do not give sleep to your eyes, verse 4 nor slumber to your eyelids. There's really no bankruptcy laws to protect the debtor. All he could do was to work long and hard to clear his debt back then. Uh, And so you reap what what you sow here. Verse five, deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hunter's hand and like a bird uh, from the hand of the fowler. Deliver yourself because if you do not, you'll be killed. And so, again, these are words giving caution about putting up security for someone. Proverbs 11 next. Proverbs 11, verse 15. Proverbs 11, 15. He who is surety or security for a stranger will surely suffer for it, but he who hates going surety is safe. In other words, a wise man refrains from business deal with strangers. It would be hard-pressed for me to think of any of us really doing that, Uh, uh, most of us can't afford to foolishly uh, make loans or to be security for loans of somebody that we don't know about, somebody that we don't know their character, their background, what they're wanting the money for, and so on. So uh, a wise man refrains from that. We don't have to be hateful, but I think the Lord expects us to be good stewards, doesn't he? We're commanded to be good stewards of the manifold blessings that he has blessed us with. So I think that would be in the context of uh, what we're talking about here, business deal with, with strangers. Probably not good stewardship. Let's go to Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. In verses 26 through 27. Do not be among those who give pledges, among those who become sureties or security for debts. Uh, It may be that uh, the writer here is referring to uh, uh, (coughs) pledges made hastily without seriously considering the consequences. Just... Sort of on the spur of the moment or right in the heat of the moment making a pledge or a security. Verse 27, if you have nothing with which to pay, why should he take your bed from under you? And people will do that. People in the world will do that. They'll just step on you after you have helped them. And if it does them good, they will do it. We know that. So if you have nothing, the wise man says, with which to pay, then why should you allow your neighbor to come and take your bed from uh, from your hand? In other words, I guess you could rephrase this as don't get in over your head. Okay, let's spend the rest of the time looking at the third category, and that is strong drink, and certainly Proverbs has much to say about this topic. We'll first look at Proverbs 20 and verse one, very familiar to all of us. Verse 20, uh, chapter 20, verse one, wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is intoxicated by it is not wise. So we're talking about drunkenness here. Drunkenness that comes from overindulgence in wine, strong drink. Drunkenness is a symptom of overindulgence, isn't it? And a loss of self-discipline. I think it's important for us to uh, look at this with the proper perspective. The normal use of wine on festival occasions was accepted in both the Old and the New Testament. Can't get around it, it is. Our Lord made wine out of water and it was real wine. It was wine that if a person lingered over and overindulged in it, could get drunk. And Jesus was there at the festival, a marriage festival, and wine was being served. It was in Old Testament times and in New Testament times. Just a few scriptures to look at this uh, this fact. Uh, first of all, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter nine in verse seven. Ecclesiastes nine seven. Again the wise man go, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Another one is in Psalms one hundred four. Psalms one o four verses fourteen through fifteen you cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine and bread to strengthen man's heart." But just as the scriptures in Old and New Testament So the normal use of wine on festival occasions being accepted, there are also constant warnings concerning its use. And so the Bible presents both sides of the coins. In Isaiah uh, chapter five, verse 11 through 12, uh, verses 11, through 12 and verse 22. Isaiah 5:11 through 12 and verse 22 is a warning, a caution against overindulgence of wine. And this scripture uh, tells us: Woe to those who rise early in the morning, that they may run after strong drink. Who tarry late in the evening as wine inflames them. They have lyre and harp, tambourine and flute and wine at their feast. But they do not regard the deeds of the Lord or see the work of his hands. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink. And so there on the one hand is saying that wine is from the Lord. It's the fruit of the, of the fruit of the grape, fruit of the vine. Uh, it was made to be enjoyed, but not to the extent of becoming drunk. And in the scriptures that we're going to be looking at, really two things are put side by side uh, in talking about this, and that is drinking too much and eating too much. They're put together. Uh, The Lord was accused, you know, that uh, uh, you've accused Jesus because he drinks wine to be a wine-bibber, and because he eats meat to be a glutton. In other words, Jesus did eat meat, and he did drink wine, but not to access. We can overeat, and one can overdrink. So we look at… uh Yeah. Is there a difference in wine or a strong drink? Yeah. Let me get to that in a moment. Uh, I like the idea here, the wording, in the last part in verse 22. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine, and valiant men in mixing strong drink. What's he talking about here? Uh, Have you ever heard some people in a braggadocious way saying that I can hold my liquor? Yeah, you don't have to worry about me. I can drink all I want to, and I can take it. I'm a man, you know. And then somebody has to drive him home. Valiant men and mixing and strong drink. I don't want that weak stuff. Give me some of the hard stuff. And Boy, in Russia we saw that. Uh, in Russia, this was a symbol of somebody that stayed long over vodka. And the further north uh, above the Arctic Circle you would go, we had a church meeting up there, the more you saw the abuse because you only had two or three hours of daylight in the winter time. A lot of depression and everything. But a concern in strong drink, what do you think is meant here by strong drink? one commentator that i read said that it was the mixing of uh, wine with honey i don't get that Uh, i don't understand that how could that make wine a strong drink of course fermentation takes place they had no refrigeration or modern means of canning Uh, like we do today. And so naturally, when grape juice was made, uh, if it wasn't uh, drunk within a very, very short time, it would ferment, become uh, very alcoholic. For the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe the man with rags. So, verses 29 through 35 of chapter 23 gives the consequences of drinking to the point of drunkenness. And this is another humorous aspect or occasion to me. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Verse 30. Those who linger long over wine. Those who go to taste mixed wine. Uh, They didn't maybe intend to become drunk, but they stayed at it, stayed at it, stayed at it. They became drunk. And then verse 31. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. Red, it's attractive to the eyes. Smoothly, it's attractive to the taste. At the last, it bites like a serpent. Stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your mind will utter perverse things because you will probably say some things that you would not otherwise, right? Did I say that? Yes, you did. Verse 34. And you will be like one who lies down in the middle of the sea or like one who lies down on top of a mast. They struck me, but I did not become ill. They beat me, but I did not know it. When shall I awake? I need another drink. (laughs) And such is the mentality of those who have no self-control. Proverbs 31, and I did hear the buzzer. Proverbs 31, verse 6, very quickly. Give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to him whose life is bitter. We won't have time to read all of this, uh, but of course there is a medicinal use for uh, for wine. Did not Paul encourage Timothy to do this when he was having stomach problems? Very quickly, and, and take this uh, down and look at it when you get home. But... Uh, Here is the thing, I believe the Bible does not condemn drinking wine, it condemns drunkenness. The Bible does not condemn eating meat, it does condemn gluttony. And so here we have the law of liberty, I know that it's alright to drink, and I know it's alright to eat, but then there is the law of love and that is where it becomes a matter where the christian today in our culture should not drink be a teetotaler and we know it it's in romans chapter 14 verses 13 through 23 and i think the idea here is summarized in verse 21 it is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. What would you think if you are going to Decatur and you pass Jack's Package Store on 24, on the left going in town, you see Larry Little's uh, sojourner truck parked there. Uh, would that be offensive to you? Would that cause you to think differently of me? Of course it would. So, even though I might, and I. That's strong drink for today. It's not the biblical drinking. But we should not. This is Larry talking. I don't believe that we should engage in what we would call social drinking, not because the Bible says that drinking at all is wrong or sinful, but because it would cause or might cause my brother to stumble. And for that reason, and the for that principle, stay away from it. I wish we had more time, but I think it's not enough to carry over for next week. Look at Romans fourteen, thirteen through twenty three, and look at it further. Thank you.